immersive audio podcast. In conversations with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. This episode is sponsored by Holoplot, the technology that features the award-winning X1 Matrix speaker array and integrated software that enables 3D audio beamforming and wavefield synthesis. Holoplot is pivoting the revolution in sound control that allows for a completely new way of designing and experiencing immersive audio on a large scale. To find out more, visit holoplot.com. Hello and welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, episode 85, with me, your host, Oliver Cadell. My guest today, Roman Sick. Roman is a CEO of the Berlin-based pro audio company Holoplot. A graduate economist and entrepreneur, he took over the leadership of the company back in 2016. Roman has scaled Holoplot at incredible speed, now employing upwards of 130 people across the several global sites. His enthusiasm for Holoplot was sparked because of his personal passion for music and audio, as well as his conviction that this unique technology has the potential to radically revolutionize the status quo in the pro audio industry. In his tenure, Roman has led Holoplot to success on multiple industry redefining projects, perhaps most notably the appointment of Holoplot as the official audio technology partner for the MSG Sphere in Las Vegas. Roman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. As some of our regular listeners aware, we actually already interviewed some of your team members from Holoplot for the episode 77, Reese Kirsch and Natalia Stepanchik and the sound designer Gary Fry. We had an in-depth discussion what the technology is capable of and we covered some case studies as well. And we covered 3D audio beamforming and wavefield synthesis as well. Today is a bit of a top-up interview because some interesting, exciting news happened with regards to the uh, new product release, as well as the, um, this incredible partnership with Sphere that seems like being talked about by everyone online on, on daily basis. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Tell us a little bit about your role at Holoplot as a CEO. I have um, been running Holoplot since uh, about 2016, 2015, 2016. Um, my background originally is not really in audio. Um, I'm I'm a kind of economist um, by by trade, so to say. I've always been an entrepreneur in my life. Um, I had different businesses before, um, but I've always been very passionate about um, audio from a more like hobby amateur um, musician level. Play the piano, produce a little bit. I you know. During my student years, DJed quite a lot, um, so I'm I'm very excited about um, that kind of music part of it. Uh, but I never really knew how speakers ultimately worked, um, to be honest, until um, I really kind of got on board with with Holoplot, and then that was quite a steep learning curve. Also, because we're not a conventional speaker, so we're a speaker, uh, and then kind of the, the next level that comes beyond that. Um, so my role is I'm the CEO. Um, I'm also the majority um, shareholder of the company. Um, and therefore, I'm you know, 
lead different parts of the business uh, overall that kind of varies in terms of what the business currently needs and obviously changed quite a lot over the last years because when I started leading the company, we were four people in a garage outside of Potsdam uh, or outside of Berlin. Um, and uh, now we are obviously a quite much larger organization. So my role has changed <laughs> over the last few years also. Um, so that was also quite a, a personal, uh, exciting yeah, career development as well as scope development. The company uh, was founded in 2011. Um, it was based on the principal ideas of one of our original inventors, so to say. His name is Helmut Oellers. Uh, he's in his mid-70s right now. Um, and he's, he has always been... Uh, in the audio kind of world and very specifically in um, the kind of side of um, acoustics in planetariums as well as um, researching on wave field synthesis, which is a specific spatial audio reproduction procedure. And um, he was always quite unsatisfied with the current state of technology and um, the workarounds that were required uh, in order to create like a true authentic reproduction of an original source or original content. And he never found that this was very practical nor really yielding the optimal results. Um, so he really did some research on how could this be changed. And he came up with uh, a new kind of concept, um, which was ultimately what we call the matrix array. The matrix array is um, not a point source. It's not a line array, but a matrix. So it's a horizontal extension of um, kind of the, you know, uh, what was be there before, not only in terms of like a system, but also within each of our individual uh, loudspeakers or modules. And on top of that, um, obviously, uh, kind of signal processing um procedures in order to make that work. So that was kind of the original idea. He was not the founder of the company. That was someone else, um, someone who initially invested into his idea. He was the founder. Um, they started off uh, together uh, and then it was, you know, um, a small team. Adrian, our today's head of research, joined them as the first employee. He was the, the initial intern, so to say. And um, I came across the company um, a few years later by kind of pure accident, really, and um, got excited by um, what they were doing. And the company at that time was really struggling um, because, you know, it's, it's complex technology. Uh, it's completely new way of how sound um, is being reproduced. Um, and there were a couple of other uh, challenges at the time. Um, the company had a very different um, scope also. They wanted to develop something more for the hi-fi market. Um, and back then, they really just had the first prototype, which was the way a proper prototype looks like. It's a, it's a wooden box with PCBs hanging out to the back on, on you know, gaffer tape or duct tape. Um, sometimes worked, most of the time didn't work, sometimes burned. So that, that's what the, the initial product looked like. But I got excited by the um, some of the very basic fundamentals that um, worked at the time. Um, and this was, you know, the ability to control sound on a very precise point. And it became pretty clear um, to me that uh, this is um, game-changing, right? So if you can control sound to that extent, um, that really opens up um, 
a possibility for a number of use cases and uh, a solution to many challenges in the industry. Although I wasn't in the industry yet, I you know understood that this is a challenge. And um, then the uh, original founder at the time, he left the company um, for various reasons. And it was basically a question, okay, is, is that it? Or do we attempt to try to make something out of it? So um, yeah, I, I took over the company at that point in time. Um, I was uh, had just left my, my previous venture and started with the uh, Helmut and Adrian and the, the other two engineers that we had to kind of, first of all, spend some time into understanding what are we actually really doing and what are we really good at and where can this potentially go and what are our current limitations. So that was, that was really like a, a tech deep dive for a couple of months. Um, because everyone had a little bit of a different opinion of, of what that is that we actually do and where it should go. And then we really started, you know, changing pretty much everything from um, location to the brand to the market. We, we changed it from Hi-Fi to more pro audio applications um, and to initially very kind of functional applications. Um, you know, we changed part of the team um, and we soon after also to, you know, decided to to change a lot of fundamentals around the product that was kind of the that was kind of my step into the audio industry i must say i have probably underestimated the the challenge ahead of me because it's also something completely different if you found a company by yourself which i have done before um, then taking something over which is technically quite um, complex and has certain legacy in it um, i underestimated a little bit initially how much time it would uh, require to kind of get to the you know turn the thing to a point where i wanted it to be but um, we uh, we managed, and uh, then that was kind of 2016, 17. We started, um, you know, going a little bit more public with that. We won a lot of um, international awards uh, from South by Southwest to um, you know some industry awards to some um, client awards. Ultimately, um, we started working with um, some initial um, larger clients, like for example Deutsche Bahn, which is the largest uh, railway operator. And a German company, uh, we did several test stations on train stations to to show what you know the capabilities we have could could do for them, uh, and then it kind of you know progressed uh, forward. And um, beginning of uh, 2018, we were joined by some uh, new investors as well, and from then on, we kind of you know started growing the business uh, forward. And um, since then, have been um, yeah step by step putting one one stone on the other, doing that quite quite quickly, I think. Uh, so it was a very, very exciting journey. I, I don't want to dwell too much on the things that we already covered in great detail. And anyone who's listening this episode and finds it interesting, I'd like to invite you to go back and listen to episode 77. Uh, what I do want to ask you, Roman, is about the recently launched second generation X2 matrix module. What's the update is about essentially? And uh, how does it compare to the previous model? Maybe you can give us some highlights. To some degree, they're quite similar, and to some degree, they're very different. Um, so X1 was the product that we really designed as the high-performance, you know, life or like life sound um, product, and we really wanted to, you know, show that the, the technology that we have is capable to perform at the highest level. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, Tesla built a road stuff first. It's a sports car. It's, it's you know, the best proof of concept, um, but it's also probably the most difficult car you can build. And I think similar to that is a little bit the 
the X1 system. Um, it's a really good starting point for us because it, it shows the capabilities of the technology really, really well. X1 is kind of, you know, really for large, larger applications, usually high SPL, you know, full music spectrum, uh, etc. And there are many other applications out there where X1 is um, not suitable or in a bit of an overkill. And we have been involved in some of these applications for quite some time. Um, I was talking about before that we very early on have worked with um, train stations and Deutsche Bahn and uh, different environments where the majority of the content is really more about uh, speech uh, rather than you know um, high SPL music. And um, these applications very often um, suffer from the current state of technology and room acoustics. Um, and I think we have all probably experienced that speech intelligibility is not always great, not just in train stations or airports, but also in you know, churches and mosques and, you know, um, any kind of public spaces, um, it's usually a challenge. It's not a challenge because people don't want to make it better. It's a challenge because it is really difficult to um, master it, typically in these, um, you know, spaces that have um, high reverb um, time and are generally, you know, sometimes also quite noisy. And X2 is the product um, to address kind of that from on the one side, what we have developed with X1, it has, you know, the same capabilities in terms of, um, you know, uh, features in terms of the beams that you can do and all of these kind of things. Um, but address that for the market segment that we have experienced already uh, in the last couple of years and where we have um, some really good insights because we have worked in a number of projects and with a number of clients um, who have educated us about what they need. And X2 is kind of the output of that. It's a smaller scale um, product. It is significantly, you know, it's significantly smaller. It's significantly lighter also and thinner. So it's all really optimized for uh, integration because that's key in these um, uh, in these projects usually. Uh, it's weatherproof. Um, so because many of those applications require that, um, it's, you know, certified as a voice alarm system. So um, a couple of these things that we have learned that are, uh, key in order to you know address the issues that um, our clients and potential clients have is what we try to bring into that uh, product and um, yeah it's 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 really exciting um, for us to do that because it's a little bit um, it's you know opening up that other um, market segment where we knew that the technology that we have is going to be very very powerful um, because the capabilities uh, to steer in the speech frequency range is um, a little bit easier than obviously steering the full range. Um, and we have some, you know, we had done some really good studies. So we're very excited about that product. That doesn't mean that we're giving up on, you know, X1 and that kind of market. It's just an addition to the family. Uh, in some projects, these products will come, you know, work together. Uh, in others, they will work separately. They're really just addressing different um, sides of the market. And in general, for both of our kind of product series of families, um, what we see is that, you know, the flexibility that we have comes through our um, digital control. So um, the same product that we're using in Sphere is being used in a very large mosque, is being used in a museum, is being used in immersive installations. It's always the same product, um, but the flexibility comes through the software, the number of beams, the steering, the, you know, the virtual objects you can create. Um, and that kind of is is need for us, it's need for our partners who have to deal with less SKUs. 
Um, but obviously, it goes only so far. At a certain point in time, you need some additions uh, to that. But that's kind of our approach when we think about um, the product portfolio. They all work, of course, within the same uh, software suite that we have. But that's what X2 is. It's really an extension to our current market segments. And we're going to keep focusing, obviously, on the entertainment side as well as we're going to focus on this new market segments now. Let's talk about the sphere in Las Vegas. Uh, wow, what a remarkable venue that is featuring some of the most cutting edge tech, not just audio, but everything else. So firstly, for those who never heard of the sphere, can you give us a quick overview what this facility infrastructure is? Sure. Um, so the Sphere is a project by the company Madison Square Garden that you probably know from the Madison Square Garden in New York, but it's a company that operates multiple venues as well as sports teams, etc. And uh, Jim Dolan, the owner, had the vision of a new venue concept, um, which ultimately is the Sphere. So the Sphere is a spherical building, um, so it's round. It basically looks a little bit like a gin ginormous uh, golf ball. And uh, it's complete LED on the outside, um, so you can put any image on it. And on the inside, it covers around 18,000, 19,000 um, people under a huge, um, the world's largest LED screen, which is you know several soccer fields large. I don't want to give any kind of wrong numbers uh, here because it's not, not our uh, exact scope. Um, but it's, an, it's a ginormous immersive venue. So it's, a, it's an immersive experience for a large-scale audience. So basically on the inside, you're sitting on an, under that screen, which um, you know, to its highest point, I think, is you know, from, from the bottom around 90 meters high. So it's a huge volume. Um, and um, there will be different types of shows that run within that facility. The first one that has been announced is a residency by U2, uh, as well as a movie produced by um, Darren Aronofsky, specifically for Sphere. Uh, and there's a lot of different other technologies uh, integrated. Um, the interesting part, I think, from an audio perspective, because we're talking audio here, is when you are in the audience, I mean, there are a couple of interesting parts that we can talk about, but talking about the experience, when you are in the audience, you don't see any speakers um, uh, within that. So everything that you see is um, LED screen. Um, and we, as the audio solution for that venue, are basically behind the LED screen, shooting through the LED, um, which I think is very, very interesting. And we have done quite some studies and product development on that in order to, to enable that. Um, that's the sphere, I would say, in, in general. And um, yeah, if you want, we can go into more specifics about it, of course. Can you talk about how Holoplot became the audio partner of choice for this venue uh, and uh, why your technology or the features that you have was a perfect fit for this spherically shaped building and uh, wide angle projection on the scale projection in the sense that you displaying such a large image for the audience. Yeah, it was really a step-by-step -step progression, I would say. So MSG actually reached out to us um, in 2017 already, uh, when they were just in their kind of first, you know, concept phases about the building. And I think back then we were still a very small team and we, um, you know, we didn't really have any customers yet, but we were kind of known in, I would say, um, a little bit of a very, you know, uh, 
very techie audio uh, group, I would say. We were known um, because of what we were doing. And um, MSG um, brought someone on board to lead their kind of audio section for this new project. And he was familiar with us. So he kind of reached out. He always tells me that he reached out to us on his first day at MSG because um, he knew that this project, you know, um, could really benefit from us. And um, yeah, we we met a couple of weeks later. We were in um, New York, presented, you know, our back then prototypes to the MSG team and executives and showed them what we could do. And then um, from there, it kind of moved forward. And step by step, we started working on the project. Initially, it wasn't a sphere. It had a different uh, shape. But then over time, um, that kind of developed. So we really were in it um, pretty early, but we were not in it from the beginning as we are the solution. We were for a very long time, we were plan B because um, we were, you know, we were frankly not ready at that point in time for a project of that scale. And it was pretty clear from the beginning that this is a project of, of massive scale, um, not only because of the size of the venue, but because of the vision that MSG had in terms of what they want to achieve with it. And um, that made clear, okay, this is going to be an exceptional um, project. And uh, so as we were kind of um, continuing with our product development and MSG um, wanted to, you know, reach certain performance targets, obviously. So we incorporated that into our product development um, to the X1 series. And um, as we were going through these, uh, you know, stages and as the project was progressing, we were doing at this, I think, at a pretty fast pace um, because the project really required it. And um, so we had to, you know, scale up our product development very, very quickly. Um, we had to, you know, set up a full kind of production side. Um, there were, you know, a lot of changes as this is typically the case throughout the project in terms of work and go. And it wasn't always easy because, you know, architects and, and audio, um, uh, you know, acoustic consultants, they all want to know immediately the specifics about your product, like, you know, uh, how much does it weigh? What's the size? How many do I need? Where? What's the performance? You know, where's the data sheet? All of these things. We didn't really have that in the beginning because the product wasn't, was still in development. Um, so there were many kind of points where we had to prove face by face that we were ready for the next step. And um, initially we were, as I said, um, plan B. Um, plan A was a, you know, conventional audio solution, which I think would have been very challenging for them um, ultimately. And then step by step, we, you know, we proved that we're ready and we, we proved that we're um, better suited for this application and what MSG ultimately needed and convinced the various stakeholders from the MSG side, as well as, you know, the acoustic consultants and the architects, et cetera, that we were the right partner of choice for this multi-billion dollar uh, project, which is you know, a high risk, um, I think, for um, a company like MSG on, you know, betting on any vendor ultimately, but betting on a vendor that is very, very new in, in the market. We had a great partnership and then ultimately, you know, we, we won the project uh, and went right into the uh, production of quite a few units um, that are ultimately installed in the sphere. We have permanently installed around 1,600 of our X1 um, modules, we call them, um, and um, a few more for, for mobile applications as well. So it's a, it's a project of uh, huge scale. Yeah, every month was exciting for this uh, project. Obviously, by now we are in the market and we have other customers as well across the globe, but still the, the sphere is kind of the pinnacle, I think, in the industry. And now we're two weeks away from the, from the actual opening, so it's, it's very exciting to ultimately see that space basically filled with audience 
so yeah, it's, it has been really a, a thrilling journey. Wow. Uh, an amazing success story, I must say, and uh, can't imagine the what, what it looks and sounds like once you're there experiencing whatever, really, be it a, a science documentary film or a live music performance. And I, I think one one of the key things probably for MSG was that the fact that you're invisible, which is an absolutely brilliant feature, right, to begin with. But then with that comes loads of other interesting features that perhaps conventional audio solution might not be able to offer. So I think, first of all, I mean, you pointed it out, it's a spherically shaped building also on the inside and it's um, filled with, with diodes. So um, it's acoustically very, very challenging space. Um, so in order to create a world-class audio experience in any space, but specifically in an acoustically challenging space, um, you need control over sound. Um, because I think only if you have control over sound, you have ultimately control over the experience. And um, that was one of the main uh, parts. Then the other, um, you know, that kind of comes on top of that is this is a large-scale venue. So um, in some areas, you know, there is a distance of more than 100 meters between the audio system and the audience. So you need to um, throw very far. And the ambition was to really make that experience almost equal for everyone within the audience. So as you are familiar, you know, with, with the space, usually in, in these kind of venues, there is a, you know, a sweet spot in the middle where the audio experience is uh, pretty good. And then the moment you walk out of that in any kind of direction, whether to the front, back, left, right, um, it, it gets less good. And that was something that MSG didn't want. They really wanted to create, um, you know, to make every seat the best seat. And that becomes really difficult with conventional technologies because um, if you look at line arrays, for example, on you know the the, the loss of level over distance is um, significantly better than in the point source, but it's still uh, significant. And on large distances, this obviously becomes um, pretty detrimental. The way we create the sound waves is uh, different from that. They do not necessarily have those characteristics, and we have developed. Um, specific optimization algorithms that allow us really to create an incredible homogeneity in coverage across large areas and long distances. And this is something we had, you know, we had to prove to MSG multiple times uh, and, and the various stakeholders in, in the project. Um, but ultimately, you know, everyone was convinced that this is, um, this is game-changing to the experience. Um, and that was very, very uh, important. And this plays um, a role then also um, for the immersive experience, as this is the immersive audio podcast. Um, the immersive experience obviously very much depends on um, how much you know information you get from each individual array that is um, uh, spread across the venue. And typically, these immersive um, experiences suffer also again from. A small sweet spot because this is you know where the zone where that's pretty equal between all the different uh, arrays because usually if you get closer to one array that gets significantly louder while the other ones deteriorate or diminish um, in in level um, quite a bit with our capabilities that's not the same behavior it's significantly better and that allows you to create a much larger immersive zone um, in a venue and if you want to achieve um, immersive experiences really of any scale, but specifically if it's large scale, then this becomes really, really important. Um, and then ultimately, uh, of course, our technology offers um, a set of 
creative capabilities that other technologies just, just don't have. We can segment uh, sounds for certain, um, you know, in, in zones so that you have certain zones that have specific uh, content or different content um, with minimum or no bleed. Um, we can create individual experiences or a small group experience where only a small section of the audience hears something that others are not hearing. Um, we can, you know, move basically as a kind of wavefield synthesis virtual source, but sometimes it's easier to describe as like a, a hologram of sound that you can make appear close to the audience. So you have the perception of proximity, um, which for me is, is a, a big aspect of an immersive experience and something that is, you know, currently lacks in conventional technologies that you have the impression something is happening close to me. It's, it's, come, it's becoming intimate. I have the impression it's, you know, not at the speaker or behind the speaker, but ultimately I can't locate the speaker anymore. What I hear is an object that is very, very close. And this is something we can do and that obviously gives um, a completely new palette and access to the medium of audio and to the creative um, to, to play and work with that and, and create shows. Uh, so that's something we add to it, uh, to the project. And then lastly, as you said, I think the integration behind the screen um, is something that was very, very important because um, from the beginning, that was a requirement that, you know, there shouldn't be any any speakers in front of the large screen to conflict with the content. And um, our technology is um, much better suited to put it behind any kind of material and specifically also a screen for, for various reasons. One is because the way we um, create this, the wavefront ultimately comes from a, a high number of smaller drivers rather than how you compare it, for example, to a line array, a smaller number of larger drivers um, that usually then work with compression and, and horns. Um, we, we don't have that. So the energy that we're creating spreads over a larger surface and ultimately then has to press less um, sound pressure, so to say, or less air volume through whatever um, is in front of the screen. That makes it, in the first place, already better suitable to be to be integrated behind any kind of material. And we have done this in multiple projects behind uh, different types of materials. But then still there is something in front of your uh, array that has an effect, of course, on the, um, um, on the, on, on the content. And uh, that very much depends on the angle of incidence that you take to go through this um, material. So we have developed an algorithm that um, takes that angle of incidence depending of the beam type for each of the arrays into consideration uh, and automatically corrects for it, right? So because usually you would need to do this um, on a manual basis, but because the system has such a high flexibility and most of the things that we're doing in terms of creating the sound is automated um, already, uh, it made sense to automate this as well. Took us quite a step of development, but now we have a feature that you know you can switch on um, to take that um, material into consideration, and that makes quite a significant uh, difference. And I think just in the end, uh, add, add it as the cherry on the cake, uh, really to basically make that screen um, almost acoustically uh, transparent. What is the best way to find out more about yourself and Holoplot and perhaps some of the projects that you've mentioned during this interview? Well, I think, uh, you know, a good starting point is always on our website, although, um, you know, we're, we're constantly lagging a little bit behind in, in updating it. I think the best way is to, you know, to contact us and, and talk to someone from our team and we can quickly run you through in terms of what we can do. 
um, and what we have done um, and what we could possibly do for, you know, if someone has a project for them. Um, so I would say reach out to us either through our website or write me an email directly. That's uh, roman.sick at holoplot.com. And uh, yeah, very much looking forward to, to speak to anyone who's interested. Do you have any piece of advice that you would like to share with the community? Oh, um, I'm not sure if dare to give any, anyone kind of advice. Um, I think what I would advise is come to our demo, listen to what we're doing and, uh, you know, be open-minded about what uh, new technology can do for maybe conventional applications. And we continue to develop our products and um, we're very eager to learn from the community about you know, the feedback they have and the applications that they see to then work together to see how we can improve them in the future. Roman, it's been a huge pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support, please consider becoming a Patreon. Not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash immersive audio podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott. Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit immersiveaudiopodcast.com to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.